sub-project of the Untitled Van Life Project, the podcast. Another sub-series that we're doing here. This is the first episode. I'm Caleb. This is Amy. Hello, hello. We're the uh, the couple that lives in the van. The couple. The, <laughs> the With couple. the podcast. With the podcast. It is called the podcast, so we are yeah. the couple behind the podcast. Yes. And this is part of that podcast, um, and it's a new series we're starting based on some books we read i think if you've been listening to uh any of our series any of our series yeah 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 midnight midday ramblings to our van life stories to campfire chats we are always talking about books we're reading currently books we've read books that have always meant something to us and um so and we're always talking about books we're always reading books (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we just between the two of us we've read a lot of the same books too we have Mm -hmm. and over the course of time you kind of just especially well for me anyways and i think for a lot of people you kind of start to develop to develop like a library as you grow older of a core books that i'm literally always in the process of like cycling through those and reading and Mm rereading and um the book that we're gonna talk to talk about today is one of those books that came about that way yeah so that was kind of the inspiration behind um this sub-series is honestly just our passion for reading and our passion for books and especially i think the passion for the books that we have started to develop as part of like our core library and um i think a really cool thing about this van that we live in now um if you don't know we did not build it out um we bought it from Um, a guy who built it out himself and lived in it and he was a big reader and writer as well so when he built it out he wanted the van to have a library like he built a lot of bookshelves in here which is like not efficient for the life no people see the books and they're like wow that's a lot of weight in books they see weight they also see space that could be used for clothing or for tools or i don't know anything else that might be a little more efficient to the lifestyle it's like dude get a kindle and you can <laughs> save a whole wall of space but that's just not the way he was that's not the way we were and that no. was just one more thing about this van that felt so right when we yeah. found it was we were like getting rid of you know a lot of our clothes and our furniture and little things like that i don't think we really had that much trouble parting with but we both knew books were going to be the hardest thing for us to part with. When it comes to material things like books and records, like our albums, I think, would be the hardest things. Yeah. Well, a lot of the books, we, I mean, you just accumulate over time, ones you've read. And our our library or our living room in Denver had basically mm-hmm. just been overflowing with books. Oh, yeah. We've never had enough space to Over the years. But so that was when we were minimalizing. We were able to, like, kind of narrow down our library. And, like, the choices we chose were all, like, core books that we had like read and reread and are always mm-hmm. almost constantly rereading. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just like, every time you read them, they just, something new stands out to you. They're kind of like a, just a sacred process amongst mm-hmm. themselves reading them. And so they're sacred moments along the journey. Cause you read them at different points in your life. Yeah. And then, so yes. Yeah, so it's something obviously we're passionate about and we love getting book recommendations from other people um, and so we kind of just thought, why not, this is not a book recommendation thing, but why not at least like share some of the things that some of our core books and the reasons we love them and what they're yeah. about. And so kind of the idea behind this is that it's just sharing this part of our journey. Yes. Lots of these books I think we're going to choose and go through are, are books that like we've said are core books that we're always essentially rereading that have like impacted our lives either from like 
years ago to, you know, books we're still finding now. And the book that we're covering today, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, Mm -hmm. uh, is one that's kind of came about as a core book for me a little more recently than a lot of the other ones I currently always am (laughs) rereading. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So the idea behind this, um, if you want to... Well, let me see how I want to word this. <laughs> well, basically, we're going to – we'll announce somewhere kind of what book will be the, the next podcast mm-hmm. will be about. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I think some of the first few books will be books that are, have been pretty widely read already. Mm-hmm. But we'll – you can always just read them and then come back to the podcast where we'll just give our thoughts mm-hmm. on it's, it. it's just a commentary. Yeah. So it's not going to be like – oh, we're all reading through this together. We're reading yeah. as we go. We're breaking down. It's just like we're going to go over, over the whole book and kind of just mm-hmm. our thoughts on it today. Yeah. And we'll try and, like, announce it a little before the podcast comes out. If you want to listen to the podcast, like, right when it comes out and have the book yeah. read. But if or you not, can listen to the podcast and be like, oh, shit, I should read that book. Yeah. Go read it and then go back and listen to the podcast again. It can be that way. Know. It can be like, a, oh, I've heard of The Alchemist before, but I don't know if I want to read it. You can listen to this and then be like, wait, I think I want to read it read it and then come back and listen to it or if you see oh the alchemist but you don't have time to read it for a couple months it's a podcast you can come back and listen to it whenever exactly. you know read the book and then listen to the podcast once you finish hopefully this podcast will always be available to listen to yes and <laughs> right on that note if you listening have any books that really have spoken to your heart or books that have been pivotal in your journey that you think we would want to check out let us know let us know. We'll get to this. We got a long list of other podcasts. We do, but I also, I just love, I love new yeah. book recommendations. It excites me. <laughs> um, yes, but we should get into this one today because I feel like we'll have a lot to say about it. But <laughs> okay. that's the intro. Welcome to, we're calling it Untitled Readings. We just put Untitled, untitled Reads. In, untitled Reads. Untitled we just put reads. Untitled in front of everything to not simultaneously give it a title title. and not give it a title (laughs) uh but today we're we're coming up and covering the book the alchemist by paulo coelho i'll spell that for you p-a-u-l-o-c-o-e-l-h-o brazilian writer the alchemist the alchemist uh you may have heard of it you may not have heard of it um how did it come into your life you know, it's kind of vague. It's a little gray, but I think I remember it was it stemmed from one of the photography workshops I went to and kind of like really connected with a lot of people. One of them being Lauren and Alan, who were on one of our other podcasts. Campfire Chats. And I believe one time I was like asking for book recommendations on like Instagram. And I think a few people mentioned The Alchemist from like I had met through photography workshops. Mm-hmm. And we're close to. And I was like, you know what? I've always heard of that one. And people always tell me, like, it's so meaningful and that I would love it after they get to know me. Like, I need to do it. So I just ordered this copy off of Amazon, I think. (laughs) And uh, that's how I came about it. We were definitely, we had already moved to Denver by that point. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's more of a a newer core book for me than a lot of the other ones I have on continuous rotation. Mm -hmm. But what about you? I guess, did you read it from then? Yeah, so I remember you ordered it, and it mm-hmm. came in, and the first time I read it, I've read it three times. Okay, I, don't, I think I've read it at least three times, too. Yeah, and the first time it was, yeah, after you'd ordered it, you read it, and you really liked it, and once again, I'd heard of it before. I mean, I just really liked it. Like, it's a book you read, and it just, like, changes your life and perspective immediately. Yeah, yeah. 
So it's I just that, read it. like it. became a core book immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I just read it in Denver when you got it. It felt the exact same way. It felt the exact same att- attraction and pull to it and felt like it just spoke to my heart and knew, okay, this is not the last time I'm reading this book. Yeah. It's going to travel through life with me. And so ever since then, that was the first time I read it. Um, I feel like I've read it very intentionally during like big moments of my life. So the other two times I read it was when I traveled to Aruba mm. for did a month. Did you read it before that or did you read it in Aruba? During. Okay. Like I, I do started remember it. you like bringing it with Yeah, you. I took it okay. with me. I started it on the plane down there and I had it finished before I came back home. I feel like the people will know why you, you read it before these events once we're done <laughs> yes, talking about exactly. it. The people. The and people. The, the people. couple. The band. And the then the third time I read it was right when we moved into the van. I read it. That was the first book you I did. read and completed in the van. Uh-huh. I remember you were like, I'm going to read this when we move into the van. Mm-hmm. And then um, I actually read it after that, after you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like kind of in the fall, I read it again since we've been in the van. And it has a lot of meaning to the van because our van, not though not originally named, mm-hmm. it was originally named Shasta via the old owner. And actually in our first podcast ever, we are still calling it Shasta. Yeah, we had we kept that name for her. We did. And then we just felt, we felt kind of pulled to change it. Just give, to give the van. We felt like a rebrand. I think we talked about this in one of the podcasts. Just give it a new identity. But yeah, new identity and uh, naming it Santiago, the main character in The Mm -hmm. Alchemist. The boy's name was Santiago. It's the first line of the book. It's the first line of the book. Spoiler. (laughs) Obviously, this is going to have spoilers for The Alchemist, so. (laughs) Yes. You know what? But you got to put that out there on the internet because there will be someone who's listening to this who's going to be like, what? You didn't tell me that you so spoiled it. But... we're going to talk about the book, and we're going to talk about things that happen in it. So if you have not read it, and you don't want to know what happens, stop listening. But at this point, it's almost like I view it as like, spoil. you can't spoil the Bible. Like, yeah. Jesus dies and is resurrected, and that's kind of how I view this book. Like, you can't spoil it. Like, if we tell everyone the end and you never heard it, I bet you'll actually want to go read it more. Yeah, that's true. That is true. You but wanna, if you like... don't want to know the end, if you're one of those people who does not want to know the end. <laughs> yeah. So, spoiler alerts first sentence of the book the boy's <laughs> name was santiago yes and that is now what we've named our van mm-hmm. slash house that we are living in which is the whole reason we're doing this podcast well, it's not the reason we're doing this podcast but it definitely spurred it so here we are it led <laughs> us to here santiago man we've been living in you for six plus months so let's talk about santiago in the book okay yeah let's go through the book Okay. So grab your copy of The Alchemist, everyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have it on you, and get a highlighter ready. Or a journal. <laughs> I think a journal. I yeah, like probably a journal. Idea. Because you don't, That's like when when I, I, yeah. you don't like when I mark in books. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you've marked in this one. I have. But, okay, my marking is very approachable. Your marking is aggressive. That's not approachable? It is approachable. But I'm sometimes just kidding. You're... I feel like that's the most aggressive <laughs> one. <laughs> No, it's not bad. I like brackets. I'm a I'm a big kind of bracket person. It's the when you underline like a whole page, that gets hard to read. Well, but this some book actually isn't bad. Even though, this really book isn't bad because I think you could underline the whole book. Yeah, Literally, I when I was like trying to go through it again to kind of like refresh my memory on some stuff, I'm like, I could stop at every page. This is about to take me three hours. Well, that's a cool thing too about keeping the same copy of a book and rereading it is. You can see, like, what stood out to you the first time you read it. Like, every time I try mm-hmm. to use a different pen so oh, that nice. I can, like, tell, okay, this per- all the purple underlinings were from one time mm. and all the black ones were from another. You should have, like, a, uh, what do they a call code? it, like, a map? Yeah, <laughs> in the front of the book where it's, like, purple. A legend. A legend. Yeah. Like, purple pen. Uh, May. 2014. 2014 yeah. to July 2014. <laughs> something like that. 
2014. You did not read it. No, I know we didn't have it then. That's just the first date that came to mind. Okay, let's start just giving a rundown, just like a summary of the book. Just a summary of what happened. The first line, the boy's name is Santiago. <laughs> so the book is about a boy named Santiago. How many different ways can we say that? <laughs> um, and he is a shepherd. He has a flock of sheep when you meet him. And he's kind of, his purpose right now is to, he's trying to get back to this merchant he met last year to meet this beautiful girl that he kind of had a one moment fall in love, love at with. Sight. Love at first fight. Sight. Love at first fight. And, uh, and he talked to the merchant her father about about her i think and mm-hmm. uh, he was like come back next year when i'll buy more and we can talk more once you're older and so that's where we meet him he's like on the way to do this task a year later mm-hmm. but as he's journeying to this town or the city with his sheep he keeps having this reoccurring dream mm-hmm. and in the stream um there's a child playing with his sheep and the child eventually tells him that he needs to go to the Great Pyramids of Egypt and that there is a treasure waiting for him there, a great treasure. And right before the kid is about to tell him, uh, it's either what the treasure is or where the treasure, like exactly where. I think it's what. I think it's what, maybe. Right before the child's about to tell him what the treasure is, he always wakes up. So he keeps having this dream and he's like, what does it mean? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. So on his journey to find this woman, this girl... He um, stops in town and goes to see a gypsy woman. He wants to get his fortune told. Yes. just I, I'm looking at you because I want you to make sure that I'm like not missing anything in no, between I'm, the points. No, I'm the same way. I kind of liked what you going because, yeah, there is a lot that... I mean, it's a short book, but a lot of pivotal moments. Yeah, he goes yeah. and sees the gypsy to get his fortune told mm-hmm. and also get his dream interpreted. Well, yeah, to get his dream interpreted. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And the gypsy... Essentially, she's like, you gotta go to Egypt, bro. <laughs> and he's like, I know that, but what does this dream mean? Like, and, and she's she, like, go to Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> she honestly does not give him any new information, but she tells him since she did this work in quotes work of interpreting his dream for him that he has to give her one tenth of her treasure of his treasure when he finds it. And he's just like, okay, whatever. So he kind of leaves her feeling um, down or probably just kind of like. Um, she didn't offer Confused. him anything new, and now he's promised away half of his fortune that yeah. he doesn't even have or yeah. something. Uh, yeah. So in this state of confusion, he eventually then runs across um, this old king. Well, that's what he calls himself. His name is Melchizedek. Um, is the name he gives himself. Melchizedek. Ooh, say it again. But he calls himself <laughs> um, an old king. And this king, I think, really kind of serves as, like, the first real... Um, influencing direction pointer for Santiago in the book. Like he gives him a lot of good, a lot of good direction physically. Like you need to sell or like you need to get more sheets so you can sell to buy mm-hmm. this ticket so that you can, you know, travel with this caravan to get to the pyramids. But then he also gives him a lot of wisdom. Well, he like too. breaks down. He's like, okay, so you need to get to Egypt. Here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Like physically, like step by step. Um, so Santiago meets him and, the old king gives him a lot of wisdom, but then also just helps him get enough money to buy the ticket to go in the Because he buys some of his sheep, right? Because mm-hmm. he sold some of his yeah. sheep. So so the boy had the part with his flock that he had been like raising mm-hmm. and shepherding, which mm-hmm. is a big moment. Um, but he sells some of his sheep to the king of Salem, who I think we see a lot of that character elsewhere. Mm-hmm. No spoilers, no. <laughs> but 
Um, and yeah, the king kind of gives him what he was looking for, essentially, from the gypsy. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. He tells him, like, what he needs to do. So now Santiago has enough money to buy his ticket to get in a caravan and head across, excuse me, across the desert towards the pyramids. To Egypt. And he gets all of his money stolen from him from a thief. And yes. so then he finds himself. He's reckless and he gets distracted and he trusts someone he shouldn't have trusted in a bar. Never do that. So then he finds himself broke with no sheep, no money in a foreign land, just totally empty. Wow. We can relate to Santiago. Right <laughs> You're in a foreign land. We are in the middle no of the desert money, right now. No sheep, though. Kind of has sheep legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So in this state, he um, finds a glass merchant. He finds a job. He basically. finds a job, starts working for this glass merchant. Puts his dream on hold. Puts his dream on hold for like over a year, maybe like a year and a half. But even like doubts if he should ever continue yeah. it at this point because he kind of falls into line working at this. Mm -hmm. And he does really well. Crystal? He does really well. Like he starts out just saying, I'll clean the crystals in your window for you. And then he like starts kind of building a new business model for the. Yeah. Well, the glass merchant wasn't doing very well in terms of business and sales. And he kind of took on the boy reluctantly because the boy needed. I mean, he was he looked downtrodden, mm -hmm, I think, mm -hmm. and poor. And he didn't have a sheep anymore or any money to get to Egypt and mm -hmm. kind of no motivation. And so the guy just took him in. And Santiago ended up kind of, like, transforming the shop, and, like, he cleaned the glasses, which helped business boom, and then he started, like, suggesting, hey, offering, let, tea. offering tea out of some of the glasses so that more people buy glasses. And he eventually, like, really transformed mm -hmm. the biz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that happens. <laughs> also, and, uh, this is a very brief overview. Like, there is lots of depth <clears throat> in each of these brief. people he's yes. meeting and, like, each of these instances that are happening in the book. We're just going through the story. And honestly, yes. if, if you want to understand The Alchemist, like, the story is really good. Like, it's really intriguing. All these things were breaking it down. But it also kind of reads more like a parable. Mm -hmm. Or like a allegory. Like an allegory. Yeah. yeah. So the whole thing, while the story is good, is also very allegorical. So literally mm -hmm. all these meetings of and, and like, conversations he's having mm -hmm. with these very various entities in his life are very transformative. Yeah. Yes. In his journey. And, and not... you will want to underline yes. every single... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and while we're just briefing them over them here, like... Yeah. Um, I know them... it sounds really simple, I feel like, when we just brief it yes. like this, but there is a like lot of depth here. he helped out a glass merchant. And yeah. I'm like, no, he went through a whole thing. There's there. a whole thing. There's a whole thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Just wanted... I just had... Yes. Things. Yes. Um, okay. So then he works with the glass merchant, gets enough money again to buy his ticket. He finally buys his ticket and starts on his journey through the desert... To the pyramids. Yes, with like a band of uh, a caravan. Just a caravan, yeah. In the caravan, he meets an old Englishman who is in this caravan because he wants to travel. He's looking through to the find desert an to see alchemist. The alchemist. The alchemist. The alchemist. An alchemist can transform stuff into gold, basically, mm -hmm. as well as they're extremely wise. Mm -hmm. And the Englishman has all these books, and Santiago's like, "Well, I just don't have anything at this moment." He's like, "I'm just going on this journey." Mm -hmm. But he's like, I feel like I know a lot about the deserts we'll be traveling in. Mm -hmm. Or he learns so a lot. So you kind of see the, between the two of them, the Englishman has all these books and he's like striving, striving to learn the most he can about alchemy. Yeah. Santiago can... has like nothing, like no physical knowledge, like as in a book or 
notes or anything like that. But he starts to learn as but the he's book. He's pursuing his journey. He's his pursuing dream. his journey. And he starts to learn, as the book calls it, like the soul of the world or the language of the world. He starts to learn as they're riding through these deserts, like how the world speaks to him or how the world speaks just in general to mm-hmm. existence. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole interesting relationship there. <clears throat> And eventually, on their way to the pyramids, um, some wars break out in the desert. So they have to be very careful about their traveling in the caravan. So they find safety in an oasis, mm-hmm. basically, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna stop there. And he meets a woman mm-hmm. at the well because he was trying to help his Englishman find the alchemist, and he falls in love with this woman. Her mm-hmm. name is Fatima. That mm-hmm. is also what we call Kona because mm-hmm. she's a woman of the desert, mm-hmm. and. Uh, in this whole process, he ends up having a like a vision at the oasis that the armies, while the oasis has been a no man's land between the two warring sides, uh, one of the armies is going to turn on the oasis and, and take everyone prisoner. And there's kind of like a hierarchy in the oasis. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to tell his vision to these old wise leaders of the oasis. And they're like, oh, shit. Is that going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> this this boy is telling us. <laughs> this boy. Yeah. This boy who's a traveler. And so they're like, okay, we'll arm everyone tomorrow, even though uh, you were like, aren't allowed to carry arms in the Oasis, mm-hmm. right? And like kind of ambush them if they show up. And they showed up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the boy and saved the Oasis and all the people there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the process of doing this, that's when he is... The alchemist is somewhere in the oasis, mm-hmm. but he's, like, impossible to find. They keep on thinking he's going to be in, like, some grand tent or, like, you know, something like that. And he's there. He's nowhere. Mm-hmm. And after this, he makes himself known to, to the, the boy, boy. To Santiago. Even though it was the Englishman who was really looking for him. Mm-hmm. And the boy's like, oh, can I lead you to the Englishman? And the alchemist is like, no, he's not ready yet. He's like, I want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. So then Santiago and the alchemist start to develop this relationship. Um, once again, Santiago is still just like learning so much about his heart and the soul of the world and how they're connected and how he can speak the same language as the earth. He can speak the language of the world, basically. Mm-hmm. They start to form this relationship. And one night when he is out with the alchemist in the desert, they get captured by one of the one of the warring tribes yes yeah they get captured and it's pretty obvious their intent is to kill the alchemist and santiago just because they don't they don't know who they are they think that they've been in contact with their enemies like they think they're spies essentially Mm -hmm. um and the alchemist stops them basically from killing them by saying that santiago the boy um knows how to speak the language of the wind and he can make the wind he can like control the wind and create a windstorm mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. and uh, the boy's like i don't know how to do that and the <laughs> alchemist is like well you'll give us three days and if he doesn't do it in three days you can kill us yeah and so uh santiago goes on this little journey of where he comes back three days later and is forced to do it for all these men mm-hmm. and has like since he's like connected to the language of the world and to the soul of the world he's able to then speak kind of to the elements of the universe Mm -hmm. from the desert to the wind to the sun sun, and then to the very soul and he and through that he can control the elements and he like the he he creates a windstorm and Mm -hmm. they they let him go and continue on this journey Mm -hmm. because he i guess the the alchemist is taking him towards the pyramids yes yeah 
because Santiago yeah, the alchemist will be like, I will help you find your. He's your, still your on his journey. He's on his journey to his personal legend. He's still <laughs> yes. trying to get to the pyramids to see what this treasure is. That's yes. like one of the heartbeats of the story. Yes. Like that's throughout that, all that, of these interactions, all these people he meets, all these places he goes. That's yes. where his, that's what his goal is. He loses his money and then he works at the glass shop mm-hmm. to get more money to travel to Egypt. And then he gets like kind of caught up in this whole uh, thing in the desert. But mm-hmm. then through that, he meets the alchemist and the alchemist is kind of what and helps Fatima. him out. And Fatima. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did brief over her, but she's a main character yeah. too. Santiago big, anyway. Even yeah. though she's a minor character in terms of like uh, appearances. appearances, she's a big part of uh, Santiago's his journey. His journey yeah. yeah. So after he's able to conjure up this windstorm, um, the alchemist takes him as far as he was going to take him, which is to this... Um, it's a building where a monk was staying, and do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I guess I don't know the the standout. Well, it's just there. part of the story. Nothing. Mm. No, this is just that's where the alchemist leaves him. Um, eventually, he makes it to Egypt. Eventually, he <laughs> ma- okay. Eventually, he makes it to Egypt. That was the next part I had. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the monk. I mean, it's not anything important. Oh. <laughs> but eventually, he makes it to Egypt. And he starts digging for his treasure. Yeah, at the spot that he had dreamed of. He's like, oh, wait, this is the scene I dreamed of. And he starts digging for his treasure. And then three men come up. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm trying to find gold. And they're like, oh, let's take his gold. And they beat him up and then dig down and they don't find anything. And they're like, dude, what What are you doing? You're crazy. And he's like, I dreamed a few years ago that if I came here, he's like, there was buried treasure for me awaiting right here. And the guy's like, well, I dreamed a few years ago that if I uh, went to this broken down church where the shepherd was sleeping with his sheep, um, that I would find a treasure under the sycamore tree. And that is actually like exactly where the The book book starts. That's where Santiago, he's like, he walks his sheep into this old uh, church with a tree. And that's where he like sleeps and and has that reoccurring dream. So it's like his treasure is back mm-hmm. where he started so in the epilogue it's him going back to that church and digging under the tree and he finds the treasure and he's like damn gotta give the gypsy half no a tenth just one tenth. <laughs> oh a tenth it was yeah. only a tenth yeah and he has to give melchizedek a tenth too so he has two tenths gone but then he so sees the treasure tenth? and he tells fatima he's coming back for her yeah and that's how the book ends yeah but uh, it's, I would say, the main, like, thing he says he's pursuing is his personal legend in the book. Everything, he's trying to get to Egypt, but everyone keeps on calling this journey to Egypt and all the steps he goes through is he, he's pursuing his personal legend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like is maybe synonymous with what, like, to use, like, terms that we are more familiar with or terms that you might we might hear in more modern day now is like personal legend like pursuing his passion pursuing his dream pursuing i don't think it's more of just like his... a purpose in a like he feels he, he found purpose through pursuing that personal legend and even though it essentially led him back to where he was physically mm-hmm. the the process of journeying through and and seeking after his personal legend led him to this purpose of because he learned so much and transformed himself along the way yeah to where he got to the end he's like my treasure was where it was all along but it wasn't that that mattered it was the journey that changed him mm-hmm. and just the the like patience with the process Mm -hmm. like all of this that we just described all of these 
things that happened in his life. I mean, these are like years in yes, the making. Yes, I think it's over like two years from like the first chapter mm-hmm. to the end of the book. I mean, it's like, which I think can sometimes be, it makes the journey even more beautiful, I think, from like, uh-huh. from this standpoint, from like reading it. It makes it even more beautiful. And it's just kind of that constant reminder of having to like quiet down that instant gratification feeling or voice that we can sometimes get. Mm-hmm. Especially with things that are important to us that might be our purpose. Or yes. What, you know. Yes, I have I underlined some quote that kinda deals with that. But Which one? Um, I'm trying to find it. Oh, okay. So we just have I just have a bunch of random notes on the alchemist here. Um, how do you want to lead into to really I mean we started talking about it, but what are what are some of the themes that you noticed in the book? Or themes that stand out to you? Well, so definitely whole theme is kind of what we just talked about. It's it's in finding your purpose and pursuing, like, uh, your personal legend. And mm-hmm. kind of how the themes, uh, I feel like how you go about that is um, being able to connect to the soul of the world and, like, kind of changing your perspective of how you view that. Um, and then and, and learning from essentially the universe as to how to get there. It's hard to describe because yeah, yeah, so, yeah. there's so much gray. Yeah. But I think something that goes along with that too is like not being attached to what pursuing your personal legend or your purpose looks like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure in Santiago's case, <laughs> he did not, in his mind, his tre- this treasure that he was looking for was not going to be at his starting, like physically at his starting point the whole no. time. Like he traveled so far like through a desert which traveling through the desert is just like i mean i've never done it on a camelback for like he did for so long but Mm -hmm. like it's it's not the easiest of journeys (laughs) it's not the easiest of places to travel well we've been in the desert for three months and we're in a van yeah and it's been rough but beautiful yes so i can only imagine like not being in shelter (laughs) what it's like um and so I'm sure when once he finally got to the pyramids and realized was digging, 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 he's been beaten up by these random desert men. And then after talking with them, he finds out, I think my treasure all along is back where I started. Mm-hmm. I'm sure like that is when you think about that's probably like the last thing you would want to hear. But there's some there is a beauty in it. And I think the lesson or the thing that stands out to me throughout that is like not being attached to this outcome of what following your purpose, your purpose or your personal legend is supposed to look like. Like you're going to get to this point and this is it. Mm-hmm. It's done. Well, he thought it was all about the physical treasure. True. And it was really about the treasure he got from mm-hmm. how the journey changed him mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. the treasure. It was how he was able to like connect to his heart Yeah. and, yeah. and learn it was the treasure. So it's like physically it was like where he started mm-hmm. essentially and it's like sometimes that that is where it's like it's all right here mm-hmm. but it's in taking the step to like pursue your purpose even though you may not know what the end of that looks like it's it's like pursuing that that will change you it's not the destination it's the journey <laughs> yes i had that written down <laughs> as cliche as it sounds that was the first thing on, really? my, on my overall <laughs> themes and thoughts of the alchemist is, is that that's what i would say for the alchemist it's about the journey not the destination it's not about yeah it wasn't about his physical treasure that he was searching for even though that's what was kept him motivated and that's mm-hmm. what kept these like um events happening is from mm-hmm. losing money to trying to get money to selling a sheep to meeting these people he was trying to get to this physical treasure but he realized that 
the treasure he found was on the journey. Mm-hmm. It was it was all that all of the stuff he went through. Mm-hmm. That was his treasure. Mm-hmm. And it made him realize the treasure that was within him all along. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it was. Like, really, when he and the alchemist go out together and start journeying towards the pyramid, just the two of them, Mm -hmm. that's when he starts really, you'll read, you know, when you read the book, that's when he really starts learning what his heart sounds like and listening to his heart just being out there. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's part of the treasure that he gets to uncover is his heart. (laughs) Yeah, and I really think that another reason I think I wanted to do this book first, and also, since we've read it in the van, we spend a lot of time in deserts. And, like... (laughs) yeah. Like, it's it's so quiet out here, especially where we are now. Like, I feel like you can hear your heart. It's, it's kind of <laughs> crazy. And not just, the, I'm not talking about the heartbeat, even though you can hear that. You can hear, you can hear your heart speak. And it's crazy because, like, before we were been in the desert, we were living in, like, mountains and mm-hmm. forests and things like that. And, yes, of course, those are, like, super, super quiet. I thought I knew quiet, but there's just, there's a different kind of quietness in the desert. Yeah. I don't know how to Well, there's even just, it. like... I mean, there will be there will be no sound for a little bit. Like, I feel like there was always a bird or a breeze or a bug. The three bees in Colorado, <laughs> or a bee. There are bees here. There are bees in the desert, but they, they don't they don't come. But out. I mean, but that like is at, true. At like evening, it get, it gets so quiet. I mean, physically, when you're in the mountains and there's or you're in forests in the mountains and there's trees around, yeah, you're gonna hear leaves rustle. You're gonna hear like mm-hmm. twigs falling or like a squirrel running on twigs or Mm -hmm. crunching leaves or something there is not that out here and it's almost even creepier because if you do hear that you're like whoa (laughs) well it's almost even creepier because out here since there aren't the tall trees to like kind of enclose you in in a space and not be able to see super far you can see so far out here because there's not tall trees there are tall cacti but they're not as you know wide and expansive as trees so you can still see forever around you and not hear anything and it really makes you realize i think how silent the whole area is Mm -hmm. so i'm sure he was experiencing some of that yes all that to say say. but i will say i haven't read this book since we've been living in the desert so that would be i think i finished or read the last half when we were in moab yeah and i remember like my i mean i talked about this but my theme for moab was listening and uh, another theme i would say is so not only the whole journey thing mm-hmm. that we talked about, but um, yeah, listening to your heart and also listening and learning, well, and then connecting that heart to essentially the soul of the world or to the universe around you from, especially nature. Mm-hmm. Um, he learns so much from the desert, and that's when it's comparative to like the Englishman who has all these fancy, you know, books. Yeah, books that he's studying and. And the boy's like, he knows nothing of the desert. He's like, I just watched my sheep, and I watched the men interact in the desert. And he's like, and I watched the the camels out here. And he's like, I've learned so much about the cycle of life mm-hmm. that he, he he learns about it. And then he also realizes that once he listens to his heart, he is very much a part of it mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. And like when he embraces that, like the whole his whole perspective of the world around him changes. And it's like when he's in pursuit of his personal legend amongst that, everything will conspire to help him get there. Yeah. So one of the, one of the big quotes in the book that I feel like is said a lot or Santiago just remembers a lot, um, is first said to him from the old king Melchizedek to Santiago. So after he, AKA just... the old king is basically the alchemist. <laughs> right? Can we say that? The alchemist kind of shows up in various because because you're always kind of like once he gets to because he wasn't looking for the alchemist no and you're like why is the book named the alchemist 
And then you meet this guy who was searching for the alchemist. But once you kind of find the alchemist and what he's about, he's not trying to teach Santiago how to turn lead into gold, which is what everyone wanted to know in the day to be an alchemist. He was teaching Santiago the language of the world and Mm -hmm. how to connect to the soul of the world so that you're essentially you can control your life (laughs) and the life around you. But I think some of the first knowledge that the old king Melchizedek, the old king, (laughs) aka the alchemist, page 24, right? Page 24, yep. Holla, that's it. my first quote. you got to throw this one in there. This that's is my the first quote, one, though. too. Yeah, it's the quote of the book. It is the quote of the book. Um, I mean, I've underlined a few things on here, but Hard I think read, the biggest but... thing is when you want, this is a quote from the book, when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you achieve it. So it's this idea of when you are seeking your personal legend, when you're seeking your purpose, all the universe conspires to help you achieve it. And I think that's something that was introduced to Santiago. And then he definitely starts to actually feel that statement um, becoming real in his life. He starts to know the language of the universe and feel it conspiring to help him. Because in the beginning, in the beginning, right after that um, statement is first told to him, He's like, okay, yeah, I can, I can get on with this, mm-hmm. and so he gets all the money to go buy a ticket, feeling like the universe is conspiring <laughs> well, to help him. We're also talking about like beginner's luck, yes. you know. So he gets all this money, feeling like the universe is conspiring to help him to go buy his ticket, and then he's riding these good vibes, meets a guy <laughs> in the bar, and starts to trust him, and that guy ends up stealing all his money, and he's kind of back to square zero, and back to square zero physically, but. He did not stop pursuing mm-hmm. pursuing it, which still conspired for him. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. But yes, that that is the main book, and also, I mean, just I think, I think it's it was pretty much from that book that I feel like I've really tried to take that into my life, and I feel like you've done the same, and I feel like we've tried to take that into van life, and not not just take it. <laughs> it live feels it. weird, just take it. Yeah, you live it. You like embrace it, and like so many things have aligned. Even one of my favorite albums over the past like five years since I found The Alchemist is uh, Krungbin's The Universe Smiles Upon You. I think it's almost just saying the same thing as The Alchemist quote. It's like when you are listening to your heart and pursuing like what your heart wants mm-hmm. and, and like what you think is your purpose, and then like it'll work, life will conform to you mm-hmm. and conform to help you. I mean, but in that moment where he does get all of his money stolen. He's not, once that money gets stolen, he's not just like, oh, well, the universe is conspiring to help me. It'll all be okay. He has mm-hmm. his moment of feeling deep sadness, of feeling lost, of feeling probably, yeah, like dumb, you well, know, even, kind of like, yeah. what, what am I even doing? Like, I just lost all my money, you know, just feeling lost and feeling confused. He definitely has those moments, but he's so connected to his personal <coughs> legend and to his purpose that he lets himself feel all that, lets all that pass and then just says, okay. What can I do next? Well, in that process, after he loses that money and is down, he, like, essentially decides, he's like, well, the next step is, like, I just need money for something. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't know if I'll pursue Egypt anymore or just, like, get enough money to get another flock. And that's where he starts working for the glass merchant, mm-hmm. which is where it comes in the contrast where he meets this glass merchant who his one dream and desire of life has to been to make the pilgrimage to mecca Mm -hmm. and he has never done it and at this point he's like i'm not going to do it i'm old he's like i've been working this class shop for forever and the boy sees kind of how that has almost like withered his life not knowing that what like what he his journey is but not pursuing it and now he's just kind of like stuck Mm -hmm. in this 
monotony of like never being able to I don't know be exist mm-hmm. and so when the boy starts seeing that and just needed a job I feel like it starts kind of like spurring him Reigniting. back on but even then he makes so much money where he even doubts he's like I could just buy a flock twice the size mm-hmm. of what I had originally and do what he knows so well do you know and liked he liked because he, he liked talks about it. how much he learned from the sheep mm-hmm. and he was already kind of like had the signs of being able to read mm-hmm. uh, the language of the world but so yeah that's how the story feeds into that yeah but and that just spurred him on to where he met the alchemist and i mean i think we just, just recapped it all right there are just so Should we many, recap it again there's just so many things that like this is one of my reasons i love it so much is there's so many things that at different points in your life are going to stand out to you more like maybe it's the whole uh-huh. beginning part where he you know is you know um Pursuing his personal legend, pursuing his purpose, but in the beginning, he keeps kind of having these setbacks or kind of getting knocked down. Maybe that's what really speaks to you when you read it. And then you read it later, and it's really the journey he takes in the desert that starts to really speak to you. Or maybe it's the end that starts to speak to you the next time you read it. Like that, I'm getting kind of fired up about it. But there's just like so many, there's so much goodness in it. It's very empowering and like in in your own life. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the best... I hate self-help books, <laughs> but it's almost like the best self-help book. <laughs> no, I don't want to call it that. Um, but, but yeah, it is. It's empowering. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, honestly, I could read it all today. And then if I picked it up and read it all again tomorrow, so much new things would stand out. Just like when you read it. Um, and that's why it's a core book, because I think we've read it at least once every year since I got it. It's like every time you read it, you're like, oh, my God, it met me exactly where I'm at here and like it relates to me different in this part of my journey mm-hmm. as it did back in the day mm-hmm. so 10 of 10 would recommend the alchemist <laughs> paulo <Quelo. laughs> go okay. read it any other themes that stood out to you um i do think another thing no i think that's the main themes anyways there's some other ones in terms of like um some small ones but a big thing i think with the theme though is it's also about you know, he's pursuing his purpose, but he doesn't always know what his purpose is. Like, he goes through those doubts. And it's not about knowing. We talked about, you know, people just want to get to the destination. Yeah, and know, like, what the destination and know what the destination is. And know what the destination is. And he's just, just kind of going forward not knowing what his purpose is. And I think that's another big part of the whole, like, it's about the journey, not the destination. It's not even about knowing what the destination is or mm-hmm. knowing what your purpose mm-hmm. is. It's in trying to seek and find your purpose. Yeah trying to seek and find your like what your personal legend is that is part of the journey and that's what propels you forward and trusting that the universe will conspire to help you get there and it yes. will provide a big word in this book is omens it will continue mm-hmm. to provide omens to lead you in that direction whether butterflies be, are good omens whether that be <laughs> an animal or a person an interaction something you just stumble upon in nature an avocado <laughs> a really really creamy avocado whoa but it's to kind of go along with literally what you just said it reminded me of a quote in the book it's on um well i guess if you don't have our copy you wouldn't know it's on page 70 of the copy we have who knows you might have it on kindle so it's probably page three but um this is just santiago thinking in his head and it's right as he gets into the caravan starting across the Uh desert to go to the pyramids um and it says he still had some doubts about the decision he had made but he was able to understand one thing. Making a decision was only the beginning of things. 
When someone makes a decision, he is really diving into a strong current that will carry him to places he had never dreamed of when he first made the decision. So the decision here he's talking about is following this dream he's had to take to go to the pyramids to see mm-hmm. what his treasure is. Um, but I feel like this quote just like says exactly what he talked about. Um, he still had he he always has doubts. Like he doesn't really know where he's going or what mm-hmm. what it's gonna look like or what he's chasing. But he made the decision, and that's just the beginning. And now he's in this current that's going to take him to places he never dreamed of before he first made that decision. He's mm-hmm. just kind of trusting in the current or trusting in the universe. Mm-hmm. And along the way, he starts learning the language of the universe, which just builds his trust even more. Yeah. I mean, I feel very attached to that whole concept, that yeah. whole theme. I want it to be a theme of my life. Yeah. Well, I feel like even in the, like going back through this book, it, you end up with the question kind of at the end. It's like, well, what is your personal legend? Or like, what is your purpose? If someone were to ask you that. And my answer would be like, you know what? I don't know. But I definitely feel okay about that. Because I'm trying to find it. I'm like seeking to find it. It's like, I want. Do you think I'm you'll ever know though? my purpose. You no. Know? And that's kind of part of it. Yeah. It's like. And that's where it's. His physical treasure was like right where he was all along. And that's kind of the mean. It's like. The treasure I'm looking for is right inside of me. And he's like, I just haven't gotten to the soul of the world yet to find it. But it's like, it's in pursuing. The journey is inward. <laughs> I feel like that's from another book. It is. What is that? Is I, it think from it's, Inner I think it's from Inner Engineering. Yeah. Yes. But that's so true. It's like the journey is inward. Your treasure is already right where you lie. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's not in the treasure. It's embracing trying to find what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. And, and that, yeah. That, that's in a weird way that is the purpose that is your personal legend yeah yeah i guess that was another big theme <laughs> yeah i mean it's hard because or not hard but i think a lot of times sometimes we want the answer you know like what is my personal legend my personal legend is to blank you know you want to mm-hmm. like fill in that blank with something concrete with something um that is attainable something you can chase that when you get there you can say i did it yes like my personal legend is to climb to the top of mount elbert yes and then once you're there you're like i did it you can stake your foot in the ground like i did it and that's not really the way it works (laughs) do you think that is a product of our culture and society being like accolade and award-based like everyone wants to leave behind so like okay this may be getting deep into Go for <laughs> it. Subject. Let's dive. But Oosh. I feel like a big theme of what everyone wants their life to be is to leave behind a legacy. Yes. Huh? Everyone's like, what is your legacy going to be? What mm-hmm. is your uh, eulogy going to be like? What are they going to mm. say in your obituary or something? It's like, uh, what, what are legacy? people going to remember about you? Yes. And yeah. it's like, you know, we, we put people on pedestals in our society who are like successful in terms of our societal norms. They have a lot of money. They've won a lot of awards. They've won a lot of sports championships. It's like, and it's like, okay, people are like, you don't have to ask LeBron James what his legacy is going to be because it's etched into the fabric of our culture. But to him, like that, he dies and those trophies don't mean anything. You don't travel with your awards. And yet Mm -hmm. everyone wants to die with a piece of paper showing a resume of what they did in life rather than how they got to the end. 
I think, but I think sometimes when people say legacy, that's what they mean is like their journey, their legacy, mm-hmm. what they, what they're leaving. I think, I think it can mean, it that. can mean that. I think it can mean what you mean just that. described. Yes. And I think it also can mean, oh, my legacy was my journey. It was the way I mm-hmm. lived my life. It was the way I made people feel when they were around me. It yes. was. And I agree that is your legacy, but it's not, people are just concerned about like wanting to leave or I feel it. I feel you just want to leave something behind rather than just, like, search yeah. for it while you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's more like, oh, I need to, like, do this to, like, make a mark to, like, pass on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, just, like, try to do it. And know. it's about, it sounds like it's about the end game or yes. the end it's not about the award as opposed yes. to the route there. Which has yeah. all this led me to a quote I had yes. marked down in page 128 where um, I actually don't know who he's talking to. But anyways, the the quote I have is, uh, they were seeking the treasure of their personal legends without wanting actually to live out the personal legends. So it's kind of like what we were talking about mm-hmm. there. It's all, they're, seeking they're the treasure of the your destination. Personal rather, they don't want to do the process to get there. They just want to have the personal legends. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not the personal legends about the other thing. <laughs> it's about trying to get there. You know what? That, I think, is like the biggest lesson of van life. Yeah. <laughs> or one of them. Like... Not that I really had this mindset too strongly, I don't think, but like there was definitely, you know, you know what I did? I'll admit it. I did. What? I kind of thought, I don't, I don't think I thought the van would fix all my problems, but I was like, once, just once we get in the van, like mm-hmm. once I get in the van and start living on the road, like it's all going to be different. Like I'm going to be a different person, like mm-hmm. immediately I'm going to be a different person. Um, all my anxieties are going to go away cause I'm just going to be so go with the flow cause that's life in the van and all these things. And that is not at all what has happened. <laughs> and then you got in the van and you're like, okay, well next month, like yeah. when we get, when we get back to twin lakes I'll, or I'll... yeah, once we get here or once I've lived in the, okay, maybe I just need this adjustment period. Once I've lived in mm-hmm. the van for six months, then I'll be better or I won't, I don't know all these things I'm hard on myself for or parts about me that in this tin can of self-reflection that reflected back at me that I don't like. They're just going to go away. To quote Katie Hoyt. And that is not, that has not been the case. And I've noticed though, like the more I resist those things, like the more I resist the journey, because I have this like end point in mind of once I get in the Mm. van, once I get here, this is going to happen. The more I resist the journey, the more just resistance there is in my life in general. Mm-hmm. As opposed to if you allow and recognize the journey as the personal legend, as the process, it creates a lot more ease and a lot more flow. Yes. Yes. Beautifully said. And this book introduced a lot of those concepts. Same to me. And uh, I just remembered remi- remembered another quote that kind of, re- when you were saying that, um, it reminded me of it. I think it has to do with this. Or it has to do in a way. Yeah. Uh, but it says... If you pay attention to the present, you can improve upon it. And if you improve on the present, what comes what comes later will also be better. Each day in itself brings with it an eternity. And uh, at another part, they talk about how the past and the future mm-hmm. are just like non-existent. It's mm-hmm. like if you're you just got to start here. And if you're like right here, trying to like progress, then everything else will progress around you. I think a lot of, or at least I guess personally, I can I've been able to like not disassociate from the past, but not live in the past. Cause mm-hmm. like, it just makes sense to me. Like, that's gone. There's no way I can live there, mm-hmm. but I've always been able to convince myself I can live in the future. <laughs> or like live for the live future. Live for the, like, okay, if I do this now, 
in the future that's going to help me or it's going to get me closer to what I want in the future mm-hmm. or whatever. And yes, that quote really put that, it puts that way of thinking, I think, in perspective for mm-hmm. me. You know, like being present, I think I always thought being present meant like totally not thinking about your future at all. And I don't think that's the case. I think it does benefit your future because like it says, if you're in this present moment and you're present here, you do better here, it's going to just compound on itself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And yeah, each day, like, like tomorrow doesn't exist and it'll never exist because tomorrow will be today. Yes. When it happens. Yes. Like, yes. we are always living in today. Yes. The eternal day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. That, but... that was very be here now of you. <laughs> what time is it now? Where are we? Here. What time Those is are... it right now? Those are always the answers. Maybe we'll cover the... No, that button. We'll have to get to another spot before, <laughs> before we get to that book. We're mentioning Be Here Now by... Ram Dass. Ram Dass. But uh, yes. I, that was a quote I had mentioned that I just read, which was great because I think that's something we've also been trying to embrace in band life is like just be in the present moment and try to improve upon that. And then the other moments will take care of themselves and the universe will help conspire to help them take care of mm-hmm. themselves while you're pursuing your personal legend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I had the burp. <laughs> Um, something that stood out to me, and it's interesting that you brought up when you read this in Moab and your, like, focus was on listening. Mm -hmm. Something that has always stood out to me about this book is how much Santiago was able to learn just by, like, observing and listening and not necessarily always talking or conversing. And kind of paying attention to what can be felt and what can be said without words. Because he talks about communicating with, well... He originally talks about it communicating with um, the guy in the bar or the bartender. No, the guy in the bar who ends up stealing his money from him. Mm-hmm. They spoke different languages. I mean, the guy did speak oh, yes. his language Physically. also. The guy did speak his language also, but his main language was not the language that Santiago spoke. And he does talk about how they were still kind of able to like communicate and understand each other without saying much. Um, but... It really comes to light, I think, when he talks about Fatima, because they meet and it's, I mean, it's what we would call like love at first sight. You know, they meet and they Mm -hmm. don't really say much or they don't go on all these dates and all these things. Like they just see each other and (laughs) they they, go on a date to the well and she has to come get water from the well and he's waiting for her. They see each other and they know. And I'm just, since I'm not wording it very well, I'm going to read directly from the book. Well, and this uh, reading was actually in a wedding I shot recently during their ceremony lots of people read bible verses or scriptures they had a reading from the alchemist and it was this passage yes so from page 96 it was it was the pure language of the world it required no explanation just as the universe needs none as it travels through endless time what the boy felt at that moment was that he was in the presence of the only woman in his life and that, with no need for words, she recognized the same thing. He was more certain of it than anything in the world. He had been told by his parents and grandparents that he must fall in love and really know a person before becoming committed. But maybe people who felt that way had never learned the universal language. Because when you know that language, it's easy to understand that someone in the world awaits you, whether it's in the middle of the desert or in some great city. And when two such people encounter each other and their eyes meet, the past and the future become unimportant. 
There's only that moment and that incredible certainty that everything under the sun has been written by one hand only. It is the hand that evokes love and creates a twin soul for every person in this world. Without such love, one's dreams would have no meaning. Ooh. Book drop. (laughs) And that passage has always stuck to me. Of course, it's just beautiful and like just like I feel like it speaks to my heart. My heart recognizes those words. But I feel like something that has taught me has been just to be quiet more and allow that language of the universe, that language of the world Mm -hmm. that it talks about to speak in my relationships with people, in my relationships with nature, in my relationships with animals, just allowing it to really speak and giving it the space and the time to speak and having the ears to listen for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big thing, listening. Mm Mm-hmm. It's hard to listen. And the boy comes across that when uh, I think the alchemist <clears throat> or when um, he's threatened with death, when he has to turn, we have to like conjure up a, a windstorm to save them, to continue on his journey. And the alchemist is like, yeah, the boy can do it and promises something that he can't. And he's like, how do I get there? And the alchemist is like, just listen to your heart. He's like, and you'll know. And the boy is like, I was trying to listen to my heart and my heart was like all over the place. And it felt like there were so many layers that I couldn't get to. And then finally he like gets to listen to he like is gets that stillness and hears his heart and then that's when he like realize, realizes his heart and his soul is the same soul and heart that's like in everything around him and mm-hmm. once he realizes that he can create a windstorm he can communicate with anything he can communicate with mm-hmm. anything because they're speaking the same language the mm-hmm. language of the world and yeah um and this is just another point what you're talking about more on this whole language mm-hmm. that we're learning which uh even comes up when he still has a sheep um, but he says he uses this like language that without words to communicate with nature, essentially in his sheep. And he says it was the language of enthusiasm of things accomplished with love and purpose. And as a part of a search for something believed in and desired. Um, and that's also when uh, it comes back in the old King says at this time, when you want something, all the universe conspires to help you achieve it mm-hmm. again on page 64. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just that him learning that language of, of, his soul he's able to like find his purpose and he sees his purpose in fatima Mm -hmm. the woman of the desert Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes yes it's really beautiful and being able to like i think really sit like when i'm with people that i know i love and it's been made clear that i love such as Mm. you my family (laughs) you my family my friends (laughs) (laughs) you know people who know i love them um kona kona Jetson. Yeah. I've really been trying to make it a practice to just kind of be quieter and just let that language speak without words. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's hard sometimes because I want people to know I love them. I want to make sure they know I love them. And the first idea that comes to my mind for that is tell them, speak it. And I, I mean, I do. And I think there's times and places for that. But, but then there's also, wind. there's also time and place to just like be silent and just let it be felt. Yeah. I, I, something that's kind of always been a, I don't know, it's not like a mantra or something, but, um, like it came about, I think kind of in high school when I was really, uh, doubting kind of certain belief systems I was raised with. And it's like, you know what, honestly, I want, cause we were big into like existential and religious conversations back then. And I was like, I hate when people like you walk up and they're like, what do you, you end up being like, well, what do you believe in? Like, mm-hmm. what is kind of like, what is your purpose? Mm-hmm. Essentially that's where my purpose was tied in like what you believe in your religion. 
And I was like, I would love to just like be able to meet anyone and like hang out for a day or an hour and never have to talk about it. And I leave and they knew exactly what I believed in without ever having to say it, whether whatever our interaction or experience was, it's like they could see through to my soul and they're like, oh, I don't even have to say anything. Mm-hmm. And hopefully if I was truly following what I thought my heart was, then it would speak mm-hmm. a language without words. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really like beautiful. That. So, and that's still a goal. And it's mine. hard because that's not all you. It requires work, in a sense, on the other person's end. They have to be willing to meet you in that space. Yes, which is also a, something I've been working on. It's like when we talk about let yourself be seen. Mm-hmm. If I'm letting myself be seen, like it's up to others how they receive it. If they receive it with a fogged lens, then that that, that I cannot help them with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a different conversation, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but, but it, it is, is like, yeah, you're right. It is about there. It's meeting people halfway. Mm-hmm. You give and you receive. You let yourself be seen and then you have to be seen. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. can only do one of the parts. Um, and so it doesn't always, like, yeah. So you have to let yourself allow the language of the world to speak to others, but they also have to let If they don't speak the language of the language. world, yeah, they won't hear it in the mm-hmm. way that you've intended it to be mm-hmm. spoken and so then i feel like that longs for the question well how do i get to the point where i can allow myself to hear it you know mm-hmm. like as i'm sure there are people who want to be able to hear it yeah and sometimes like they can't i know i fall on that boat you know and i would say we all need to go read the alchemist <laughs> <laughs> this is what he deals with is trying to listen to this language um and he really deals with this challenge which is another big thing he gets uh you know he's come so far in his journey and then he hits this big challenge where he's like i'm about to die because mm-hmm. i cannot do this thing and um I, I don't have any passages highlighted but it's like you know we get challenged in life when you're like pursuing your purpose i think the alchemist talks about he's like you're gonna be challenged mm-hmm. because it's it's kind of like you know you gotta be sharpened you gotta you gotta be tested you gotta or my always thing is like i gotta doubt something in order to find the truth it's like you gotta be challenge to become what you are <laughs> no, i'm trying to find it there is i have underlined a passage where he talks oh, no. about when you're following your personal legend like you're going to be challenged in all these different ways mm-hmm. um to sharpen your skills almost yes and so like really test and be like hey is this your personal legend are you pursuing it and mm-hmm. like is this like it helps you connect to your heart did you find it yeah i found it yep nice. and it is the alchemist he says it to santiago he says before a dream is realized, the soul of the world tests everything that was learned along the way. Does not It does this not because it is evil, but so that we can, in addition to realizing our dreams, master the lessons we've learned and move towards that dream. Yes. That's the point at which most people give up. It's the point at which we say, it's the point in which, as we say in the language of the desert, one dies of thirst just when the palm trees have appeared on the horizon. Yes. that That is another, I think, huge it's not a theme, but it's a whole concept of, of the theme of pursuing. It's like you're going to be challenged. And like, it's not going to be easy. Part of it. Yeah. it ain't going to be easy. No, no. It's never easy. <laughs> I don't know who I'm quoting. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Oh, this book is so good. <laughs> it is so good. Okay, so if you haven't read it and you've listened to this whole podcast, like, do you want to go read it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just so many lessons. And there's still like so many quotes that are just kind of like one off little lessons he learns along the way. Mm-hmm. Okay, I do want to bring him one more because it's another kind of pivotal thing. Or we can keep talking. 
But I have, okay, I have another one. <laughs> just bring it up. Just bring it up. And this deals a lot with, I think, how I've kind of viewed our relationship over the years. Because now we've been married for almost eight years. Mm-hmm. But we've been together like 13. Almost 13. Almost 13. And um, this quote, because I feel like when we meet people now, when they're always like, whoa, how old are you guys? Well, when we're like, we've been married almost eight years. They're like, wait, how old are you? <laughs> yeah, like, wait, how old are you? And we're like, we got right. married young. Yes, that was 22 when we got married. <laughs> yeah, that yes. was 23. Um, but... Then they're like, we've always, you just like grow together over that period of time. But things change. I mean, if you look at our 18 year old selves compared to our 31 and 29 year old self now, as of where we stand right now, um, there a lot is different. One, we have like a hundred times more tattoos than we did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But also just, wow, things are very different. (laughs) Things are very different. But then also some things are the same. Mm. But anyways, in terms of kind of how I view just honestly not just our relationship I think it expands to other long-term relationships or just uh, not long-term just other relationships you have with people is this one when he's talking about the desert or actually I think it's Fatima Mm -hmm. who says this it is and uh, she says um the dunes of the desert she's talking about the dunes are changed by the wind but the desert never changes that's the way it will be with our love for each other and I just love that concept because it's so true in the desert. The winds are constantly shifting the dunes and changing the scope of the desert. But it's all the de- it's all within the confines of the desert. Mm-hmm. And it's like the changing is okay because that's part of what makes the desert the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, and viewing, I just think that concept of viewing love in a relationship is so beautiful like that. Because like we're going through, we're pursuing our own personal legends and they're different from each other. Mm-hmm. And we're going to change along the way. And we're going to be challenged in different ways and like letting the dunes shift as they are, but still realizing that we're in the desert together or the desert is part of what making us who we are. And then you let the dunes shift and you're like, and you let the dunes shift. And I mean, I think you let the dunes shift without fear. Yeah. you let, Because it's what is supposed to happen. Yeah. It's like, it is what is. And don't, you can't stop the shifts. You can't, uh, like predict the shifts it's like they will the winds will come the levantar will come mm-hmm. and shift the dunes he's like but it's like we want them to shift because it's the desert that is mm-hmm. all encompassing mm-hmm. that's one of the beautiful things of the desert yeah that's one of the beautiful things of relationships is that they change they grow they the dunes shift and mm-hmm. but you're still the desert Mm-hmm. <laughs> that so that's just a whole beautiful quote of the concept of love and especially since we've been living in the desert that is um really stuck out something we've been living amongst yes. like physically yeah even though yeah. i haven't been all around a whole lot of dunes since moab and moab has the most dunes i would say more than the great sand dunes national park <laughs> um well yeah probably no i don't know how big so. is the Great Sand Dunes National it's Park? Big. Which is funny because those dunes actually do not change. <laughs> <laughs> now that I say it. Uh, yeah, there's some weird... Well, it's it's the height of the tallest dune doesn't change, if I'm remembering it correctly. Like, the winds blow so simultaneously over a year, or, like, so uh, the same. Same routes. The same routes, occur- because it's up by this mountain, like, around the mountain, that they swirl in the same way that keeps the dune even though winds are blowing constantly the height of the dune never like fluctuates more than like half an inch but also i mean those dunes aren't in a desert true it's so, like a sand pile it's yeah. like a so it they're a di- they are different than dunes is. in like an actual desert like in egypt but yeah <laughs> 
But I just love that concept. Even as I talk about it more now, I just love that quote in dealing with love. I do it's, too. It's really hard to when because I feel like I never have an answer when people are like, "How do you guys do it?" <laughs> or like, "How have you done it for eight and a half years?" Or thirteen, <laughs> thirteen years and change like from from pivotal moments of we were in say. we had just graduated high school hadn't even experienced college and then we went through college together and then now post college post college post post college post post college post post and then van life phase one van life phase two mm-hmm. van life phase three I mean think I was seventeen you were eighteen when we started Shush. dating why can't I why no <laughs> shushing like because you were a minor oh it was <laughs> consensual. <laughs> <laughs> but like 17 to 31, 31 yeah, like it, it so was, much happened it was almost half of my life ago so Have much you happens that? you've almost been in my life for almost half of it no a few more years a few more years a few more years but you're almost there but so much changes so much happens and it's so imperative to give each other the space and the permission and the support to change Mm-hmm. I heard a quote the other day. I think it was on a podcast or in a yoga class, something like that. And I don't remember the very like the specific quote, but the idea of it was very much similar to this. And it was around um, how freeing it is to feel so loved that you know you have the freedom to change. Mm-hmm. So it was about knowing you're so loved and supported that you have the freedom to change and how like freeing that type of love is. It's super freeing. And that, I mean, I feel like that just relates to this quote. Exactly. It's knowing we are the desert mm-hmm. and yeah, our dunes are going to change, but there's still, um, the support and the space to be the desert and to have this beauty yes. happen. There's like, you embrace the concept of like the dunes are going to change within the desert, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that which reminded me of another quote I have highlighted, which mm-hmm. is it's uh, Fatima again. She's all about the love. She's the love person in the book, <laughs> and it's I think it goes with what you're saying. It says don't say anything. He she like interrupts him um, because he was like about to leave and was trying to like commit to her. And he's mm-hmm. like, don't say anything. One is loved because one is loved. No reason is needed for loving. Mic drop. Mic drop. I don't, Fatima, mic drop. Like, yeah, you know, like. People talk about conditional or unconditional love, and like if it's not unconditional love, it's not love. Yeah, it's like it's just not conditional that's not love a, is a, a oxymoron. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. And it's just I think that concept really embraces it even further. To like, you can just you can just love. Mm-hmm. You can be love, and you can love someone for no reason, mm-hmm. <laughs> but to love, mm-hmm. but because of that love. Yeah, I feel that, and I feel like that's. I don't know. I have always, not always, but I feel like a core, you know, we talk about how much we've changed since we were 17 and 18 to Mm -hmm. now. I feel like something I believed at 17 that I still believe or something that's like a core of me now is that it's so, it sounds just so simple, but like we are all love. We're all Mm -hmm. just love. So when I feel like, you know, someone says, that's some hippie shit. I know. (laughs) I was a hippie before I was a hippie. (laughs) Like, you know, when someone just says, I love you, period, no because or. Mm dot 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 um i think there is a part of us that just recognizes that and you see yourself in that and it it just there's no explanation needed yeah i love you well it's like you become the love in the relationship of like it's i think actually it's in yoga girl 
where Rachel Brayton mm-hmm. talks about how when someone dies, like, you can still love them mm-hmm. exactly the same. He's mm-hmm. like, the love that you show to someone, it's like trying to, it's like long-term or long-distance relationships even. Like, family members you haven't been around for a while, it's like, does your love wane if you don't want it to? No, like, you can love love that person just as strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the physical showing of it obviously changes, but it's like the love that you hold for that person doesn't have to change even in death. Mm-hmm. So like you can. That's still, how powerful. That's it is. how powerful it is. It's like you can keep them eternal, by immortal by always loving them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like that will never have to change. You never have to stop loving someone. That's so beautiful. Because like the love comes from you. You are the love. You can keep them immortal. Yeah. I love by that. just being love, and yeah. So there's a lot of great things. In the <laughs> a lot of great things. <laughs> lot lot of great things you want to i think i am you think you're good i'm good i think i'm good i mean like i think if i I... kept going this could go for like three hours it could well that's how i when i sat down to uh whatever start like going back through it before this podcast i'm like i could just go through every page and like mark something it made me want to read it. there was i put a star by this last page and i wanted to make sure i just like checked it out that we haven't talked about something from it before um is it page 155 it is page 155 yes <laughs> do you have that marked too? i have it marked yeah what, what do you have on yours i mean it's santiago talking to the sun oh it is okay and this is another concept that i've um the one that stuck out to me is from page 155 it is we who nourish the soul of the world and the world we live in will either be will be either better or worse depending on whether we become better or worse and that's where the power of love comes in because when we love we always strive to become better than we are i think i'm just gonna leave that where it is no thoughts on that other than the quote itself just let it land let it sit let it land as you receive it cool i like that well so that wraps our first untitled reads yeah. The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Yes. Um, Please, if you do check it out and read it, let us know. I would love, I would love to talk with you about it. As you can tell, we love talking about this book. We love rereading this book. I mean, revisiting. it might come up. We we need we've started like tossing around other books we want to do on this series, mm-hmm. and like this may be a yearly staple where we read it again Every, and come back to yeah, it, yeah. and then we're like, okay, we need we've been in. You know, traveling for a year and a half. Let's uh, go through the alchemist again. It just it starts. It, it stirs. Time. It stirs so many things inside. Yeah, it hits mm-hmm. you in different places. Um, it's just a beautiful, constant journey every time reading it. Because that's what it's about. <laughs> is us being on a constant journey. <laughs> it's a cycle. Yeah, but thanks for checking out this first Untitled Reads episode. What? What? And yeah, we'll be coming out with these. You know, when they come out. <laughs> we will try to give you advance warning of what book we're going to be, uh, mm-hmm. probably via Instagram or... But yeah, there's no pressure to read it by a certain point no. because you can just listen to the podcast whenever. Yes. So it will just be available for whoever has read The Alchemist, whoever wants to read The Alchemist, whoever is thinking about reading The Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be there. And then, uh, yeah, it was. I'm excited to dive more into some of these core books or just any book that we want to discuss. Yeah. Because we love books. We do. We do. And like I said, if you have any that have really impacted your life, um, let me know because I just always love reading new books. I mean, yeah, The Alchemist was a recommendation by 
Instagram. Some people, but via. <laughs> and so, like, I took it to heart, and here we are. First episode, our band is named after Santiago. Yes. The boy's name is Santiago. Peace out. Love you.